there, everyone, and uh, welcome to another week of the Good News According to Job. Uh, I hope that uh, the last couple of weeks have been helpful. It's gotten you to really wrestle with Job a little bit more in ways that you possibly haven't before. And uh, yeah, I really hope that uh, as we go ahead, um, that it will continue to stimulate your thinking and get you to wrestle with, well, in one sense, a, a book of wisdom. Uh, and Job is packed with it, and in the way that it's constructed, uh, there is so much wisdom to be found. Uh, just to uh, just to let you know what is going to be happening over the next couple of weeks, um, we've decided to at this point actually split the course or the Bible study, and there is an there are two options that you can go with. Uh, the first option that you can go with is uh, a shortened version. And in that we will, over the next three weeks, basically be looking at this week Job's friends, the next week uh, we'll look at God, and then we'll conclude with Job um, and how that concludes. Um, So that will be the next three weeks with a shortened course um, of working through Job. If, however, you want to really get into the nitty-gritty and see the, the bigger questions and things that are getting asked, then there's the other course, which will take a little bit longer as we go through each, uh, each thing that gets discussed, each person that speaks, looking at Job's friends and each thing that they have to say, followed by uh, the responses and uh, also God's response, and then getting to the conclusion. So it depends on how, how deep you want to go. Um, And we're making this available because we know that perhaps you don't want to go through everything, um, and that's okay. But if you feel that you would like to, that you would feel it's beneficial and it would help, um, then go through the whole thing. Um, This will then obviously take us uh, out of uh, when we're done with lockdown and and into the rest of the year. if you're going to go with the long course, or if the short one, then hopefully by the time lockdown is over, then you can, uh, you will be done with Job. So depending on how you want to uh, approach it, I encourage you to really try and and do uh, both. Maybe get a bit of an overview from the one, the shorter course, as well as look into the the nitty gritty of it. Um, there's so much there that unfortunately we can't capture that all in three weeks. But if you want, uh, the, the broader uh, unpacking and course that we'll do uh, in Bible study on Job, that will really get into a little bit more of the details that, that will be missed um, if, if we go too fast. So it's really up to you. Uh, if you want to, there's a short one. If you want to really dig in, uh, there will be the, the longer uh, Bible study available. Um, and we'll be posting both of those. Uh, you make the decision. And uh, yeah, hopefully they will both benefit you and you'll uh, in, be encouraged and challenged and grow from it. I know just working through Job has challenged me and, and has grown me and has really got me thinking in different ways. Um, and I, from my personal side, I would really say if, if you have the time, get into all of it as much as you can. And uh, I would be excited if if there are some of you that would like to take the journey with me. I I know I'm excited to go through it, um, so uh, hopefully you'll be on board and, and would be keen to join. Great, but as for that, uh, that is a way of introduction to both of these courses, and so from here we will then look at uh, either the shortened one or the lengthened one, 
Um, but this is just a way of introduction for both of those. So just hang in there for a second, um, and we will get started with the, the, the short or the long course, depending on which one you choose. Uh, we'll see you now. Cheers. Well, hi there and welcome back. So you've chosen the long course uh, and essentially what we're going to be doing is uh, going ahead with uh, Job uh, 4 and 5 this week and we're going to each kind of chapter or section, uh, however you want to look at it, uh, and just unpack uh, what each person has to say to some degree, uh, get a little bit more weight and feel to uh, really what what is being said and how uh, the discussions between Job and his friends uh, really uh, challenge, in one sense, the, the direction of the book and the wisdom that comes out of the book. And so I hope that uh, this, this course will be uh, beneficial and really helpful for you. Uh, so if you enjoy uh, going deeper, uh, I really hope that you'll enjoy this. Uh, so this week, we are going to pick up uh, by looking at Job 4 and 5 as I mentioned, and uh, basically 4 and 5 picks up with Eliphaz's first, uh, the first of the three friends, um, particularly uh, between Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, uh, but also the first of all of the friends, uh, including that of Elihu, who comes much later, um, and Eliphaz, Eliphaz is the first one to, um, to actually have something to say now to Job. So it's very interesting what he has to say uh, and how he says it and the type of way in which he, he says what he says. So uh, if you have switched over from the, the shorter version um, and, and watched the overview, you'll have some inclination to uh, just who Eliphaz is and the way in which he speaks. And hopefully we can un uh, unpack that a little bit further in this one. Um, but basically, before we look at what Eliphaz says, let's just consider briefly who who is Eliphaz. Um, we, we know very little about him. Uh, not a lot is told. Uh, we just are told that Eliphaz is the Temanite. Uh, Temanites uh, were uh, connected or associated uh, to some degree with uh, wisdom. And so when we think about Job and the three friends, or, or including Elihu, the four friends, then we perhaps get an idea that these are friends of wisdom, friends that come from the world, uh, particularly uh, with Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, that they are from the nation surrounding Israel, and that they have wisdom to impart, wisdom to share with Job. And uh, Eliphaz is interesting because he is, uh, he doesn't have a particularly uh, Hebrew name, but if you look at his name, uh, it carries some uh, connections, perhaps, to what would have been uh, maybe some form of a, a Hebrew uh, name or uh, origin, for, for that way of putting it, but outright uh, it is not a Hebrew name, so his name would be loosely translated uh, and with some question still whether it is right or wrong, uh, to, along the lines of uh, God is fine gold, uh, or something along those kind of lines, connecting God and gold. Um, so not quite sure exactly what his name would mean, um, whereas in most of Hebrew names, uh, their names are significant, they mean something, 
uh, within the Hebrew language, and, and that's quite clear. Whereas Eliphaz is slightly different. He uh, definitely indicates to us that he is not part of uh, Israel, but uh, that he bears maybe some of the marks of someone that came originally out of um, one of the descend descendants of Israel. Um, but he has grown in different, a different kind of wisdom, in a wisdom that is slightly different to the wisdom of Israel, or at least what you would expect to find in Israel. Uh, and the type of wisdom that we're going to pick up with Eliphaz is uh, quite interesting in the sense that he, uh, he comes across with a very almost scientific, uh, observable, uh, reason-based wisdom. So Eliphaz uses reason uh, to convey his argument, to argue against Job. He looks at Job's circumstance and he spells it out very plainly, very simply, what he believes is happening uh, and going on in Job's circumstance. Now we're not going to read through all of Eliphaz's uh, argument and, and discourse with, uh, in this video, um, but hopefully you've taken some time to read it. Uh, but some of the things that we can just pick up to really understand this type of person that Eliphaz is. So let's take a look. Uh, if you'll turn with me and see there in uh, verse 5 of chapter 4, he says a couple things like this. But now trouble comes on you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways uh, your hope? So on this first point that he kind of, he makes a statement, he's observing Job and he's saying, well, Job, uh, your confidence should lie in your piety. If you are truly upright and blameless as you say you are, well, then uh, that should be your confidence. You shouldn't then be concerned. But something is happening to you um, and that can be seen. It's evident you're sitting here in a state of suffering. Um, and what is happening to you is re a result of something. So what is that that you have done? If that isn't clear enough, uh, Eliphaz takes it further in verse 8 of chapter 4. It says here, As I have, have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God they perish. At the blast of his anger they are no more. So it's an interesting uh, development in his thinking. He's saying, okay, Job, I have observed this before, that if someone plows evil, uh, if they sow, as he says, trouble, they will reap it. So he is observing what is happening in in Job's life, in who, who Job is. And he is saying, Job, you have uh, sowed, you have plowed, um, and you are now reaping the destruction uh, that you have sowed. And so that's quite a harsh thing to say. Here's the first real uh, engagement that we hear about. Uh, we've given, we've been told that the friends were silent for, for a week. They were sitting with Job. We don't know how long Job has been sitting and suffering. It may be longer. It may be months. Um, but these three friends, they rock up and they sit down for a week uh, and they are silent with Job. And after a week, the first thing that uh, essentially uh, comes out of a friend of Job's mouth, Eliphaz in this context, uh, is these words, you, have, you are reaping what you have sown. 
So just think about that for a moment. How would how would you feel if you were sitting in a circumstance where you were experiencing incredible suffering, uh, where you had not uh, predicted it, you had not expected it, you'd done nothing to to truly truly deserve it at all, um, and there you're sitting, and while your friends are around you waiting for them to to comfort you, uh, the one opens his mouth to say to you, you getting what you deserve. So up front that feels quite harsh, um, and maybe maybe thinking about it in that way, you, you see the harshness of Eliphaz's words, uh, but keeping in mind that um, Eliphaz is observing. He's speaking from a place of what he knows. That's his worldview, that's his reference, that's the kind of wisdom that uh, he uses, is to consider, weigh up, and speak from what he knows. Speak from what he has seen around him and observed uh, from other people, from other circumstances. And in the large part, that would be true. In the large part of that world at the time, the understanding was that if you have done something wrong, you will you will reap uh, uh, from that. You will get what you deserve, essentially. Um, so it's interesting. It, it's not foreign to what we think. Um, so this is introduced very early on in Job. We often have this kind of mindset when we experience hardship or suffering. We tend to, for a moment, consider, well, what have I done uh, to deserve this? Or perhaps you feel guilty uh, when something happens to you. And so your immediate response is, was it because I did that um, that I am now getting this? In one sense, it's, it's kind of that, that type of idea that a lot of the world uh, ascribes to, of a, a type of a karma uh, if you would like. Uh, if you do something wrong, then bad things will happen to you. If you do something good, then good things will happen to you. And so that essentially uh, is this uh, this undertone, this, this kind of concept that uh, that Eliphaz brings to the table. But, but it's not so uh, detached or loose or, or vague or iffy uh, in the sense that we might think if he does good, then good will happen. If he does bad, bad will happen. But it's a little bit more uh, solid, obviously, in, in the way that Eliphaz is thinking here. It's solid in the sense that this is observed, this is being seen um, over time. And, and so this, this has been tested and proven, uh, that they have seen this uh, being, being the course of things over and over again. Uh, when the nation is sinning, uh, or doing something wicked, then they experience famine or droughts or hardships uh, on a on a massive scale. But as soon as the nation is uh, serving and trusting in either their God, uh, wh- whoever that might be, or or God Himself, uh, the Lord God, uh, then there is there is uh, provision, there is protection, there is safety, there is all sorts of benefits. And so when you look at even Israel's own history, when they are walking with God, when they are walking in line with God, uh, it goes well with them. Uh, The same kind of thing when they are going to enter the promised land. God says to them, if you you fear me, if you you obey me, if you trust me, uh, it will go well with you. You will have life. And, and you will prosper in the land that I'm going to give you. So that's the kind of concept that they 
that they have uh, when they think about uh, this kind of view that Eliphaz has. So it's quite interesting. Uh, it's not foreign. And we today uh, still at times think in this way, which is uh, interesting because we, we tend to want to make it a little bit uh, we, we want to understand, in one sense, why what is happening to us is happening to us. And so that's what Eliphaz is doing. Eliphaz is trying to get to the root of why uh, Job is experiencing hardship and suffering. It's not random events, random chaos. It's, not, it's, it's more scientific in that sense. And there has to be a reason uh, why Job is suffering. So that's an interesting comment to make. Uh, in Eliphaz's approach, there has to be a reason for Job's suffering. Whereas, if you remember uh, in, in the early part, the introduction to, to Job, where God is still having his uh, discussion with the Satan, uh, we are told that, in fact, uh, uh, the Satan has incited uh, God to, to allow him to do all sorts of things against Job without reason. And so that's interesting that Eliphaz wants to come and find the reason. Uh, and that's why his wisdom is reasonable. He's trying to reason out uh, what could be the reason for Job's suffering. However, uh, we know that there are two factors in play. That God has been incited without reason. That God has allowed to... to to have happen to to Job uh, these things without any reason, and that Job is uh, blameless, that he is upright, that he fears God, and that he shuns evil. So, right up front, you have this tension already created. That we are told one lot of information about who Job is. We see his suffering. We we see his sincerity in one sense, even though uh, what he has to say in chapter three is harsh and and uh, pain-stricken, uh, he still uh, doesn't, uh, he doesn't curse God. Um, and so nothing that he has done or said, uh, even up to the point of Job 3 itself, where he, he cries out to God and curses, or essentially he curses his own uh, day of birth, um, he never says anything against God. Um, but it is interesting that Eliphaz presents his reason to, to Job and says that you must have done something. It's impossible. You, you must have done something. If that's not clear enough, uh, turn to chapter 5, um, verse 7, and it says, Yet man is born to trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. Uh, this is an interesting uh, comment that he is saying, because essentially what Eliphaz is saying is kind of, it's two-edged. Um, there's, there's two sides to what he has to say here. On the one side, he is saying that all man is born uh, to trouble. Every man is going to face trouble. Every man is going to face hardship. So you're not unique um, to this, Job. You are like all of us. We are facing trouble on a daily basis. It is there. It is in our face. Uh, and we have to deal with it. Um, and his further illustration, he says, as surely as sparks fly upward. If you have that idea, if you've ever been camping, have you ever uh, made a fire and thrown something on it uh, as that wood breaks, the sparks fly up? 
you can't control that. That's natural. It happens. It's just there's nothing in it that you can do to stop those sparks from flying up as you as you drop something or break that log. Uh, it, the sparks fly up uh, so quickly and so naturally. And essentially, he is saying that uh, humans will face trouble. And you're no exception, Job. There is no exception in you. Um, but this is, this is difficult, uh, because on one side, what Eliphaz is saying is true. Uh, everybody will face trouble. Everybody will face hardship. But the drive uh, that lies behind uh, what Eliphaz is saying is you will face trouble um, because of what he said in chapter 4, uh, that those that sow trouble will reap it. So it's interesting, simply just uh, saying that uh, everybody will face trouble is one thing, uh, that that's the reality. This world that we live in is broken, it's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's not the way it should be. But to say that everybody uh, will face trouble um, is to say one of two things. And Eliphaz is saying one thing here, and that is that if you have uh, so trouble, uh, and you will so trouble because you are imperfect, you are not blameless, you are not upright. Uh, then you will reap it as surely as sparks fly upwards. So this is interesting that Eliphaz has highlighted this so quickly, uh, but he has observed it. He has seen it in life. He is he is a wise man. He he recognizes that all human beings are flawed. All human beings sin, uh, and all human beings are therefore destitute to hardships and and trouble. Um, and this is this is a frustrating truth. But it is true. And it's good for us to notice that Eliphaz, what he says is true. Uh, but it's also important that we take note that it is, though it is true, it is not necessarily applicable, uh, what he is saying, to Job's circumstance. Because Job is unique. We are told up front that Job is blameless. He is upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. And here... Uh, it seems outright that Eliphaz is challenging that very reality, that very truth that we have been told up front. So what do we make of it? Uh, do, we, do we either say, well, no, then the author and God must have been lying or not completely accurate or try and work, work with what uh, we've been told up front to, to try and validate uh, what Eliphaz is saying to be true, that surely Job must have sinned, and that this is his um, cause. But then we're saying that God is, has, has lied, and that essentially that he has done something and has been incited against Job uh, for a reason. Um, and then we are accusing God of actually lying, because we are told up front that God has said that he has done this for no reason. There is no reason to Job's suffering. Um, or do we think that perhaps Eliphaz, who is human, uh, and even in his wisdom that he imparts, there is flaws, and perhaps it is his wisdom that becomes greater than God. And so we need to be careful that we don't think that uh, wisdom, uh, in the form of uh, knowledge and experience and observation, is greater than the God that we can know. If that makes sense. So if we consider right up front, it's, it's important. And we're going to be wrestling with this kind of idea as we go through Job. But we need to be careful to, to wrestle and to realize that we don't make our wisdom or the knowledge or the things that we have as an, a level of understanding greater than the God 
that we are trying to understand. Because the reality is our knowledge, our wisdom is always going to be limited. Uh, but it is God um, who is uh, infinite. He is far greater than, uh, than what we can even perceive and understand and uh, really know. Uh, we, can, we can know aspects of him, but to think that our knowledge is greater than him or our wisdom is greater than him uh, is to fall into a trap of pride, uh, to fall into a trap of uh, putting wisdom, putting knowledge, uh, putting even our theology uh, above who God is. So that's important to, to keep that in the back of your mind and wrestle with it as we go. Uh, when you think you know something uh, about Scripture or about God, uh, are you suggesting that your knowledge is uh, far more uh, clear and real uh, than the God in who you are believing. And so this becomes a challenge uh, with Eliphaz, for example, and that, the rest of his friends, and how Job and the interplay with the friends develops. Uh, what, do we, what do we see? What do we understand? Is Job, um, has Job sinned? And somewhere we are trying to correct our, our understanding and let our theology fit the book. Or are we willing to accept that God has given an account of Job, saying that he is uh, blameless, upright, um, fears God, and shuns evil? And in this context, there is nothing that is happening to him because of what he deserves, but that this is purely uh, because of uh, God allowing it. Um, and so... Uh, what category do we fall in? Do we try and apply what we know? Do we try and apply what we've observed um, to to make it all make sense to us? Or do we simply accept that what God has said is true and allow God to shape how we understand Job and his suffering? Or do we, uh, or are we going to try and be like Eliphaz that's going to try and find reason for his suffering? So that's interesting. Up front, we have these two... Uh, two chapters of Eliphaz that really shows us how he reasons through Job's suffering. And there is so much more in, in what he has to say, in what, jo, uh, in what Eliphaz is really wrestling with. If you turn back for a moment to chapter 4, he goes further to almost explore slightly deeper truths uh, or ideas. He says in verse 18 of chapter 4, If God places no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay, whose foundations are in the dust, who are crushed more readily than a moth. And so he's, he's, he's using his argument, he's using uh, reason to say, well, we know to, to some degree that uh, even the heavenly beings, even the, as he says here, the servants, uh, the servants of God um, and the angels, uh, they are charged with error. Um, and they should be above us. They are greater than us. They are uh, beings that are far above who we can be. And even them, uh, God has issues with. Um, and we are, we are here living on earth in houses of clay. We are living in vessels, bodies that are going to break and can so easily be shattered. So who do we think we are? So once again, an incredible truth, incredible uh, reality to what, um, what Eliphaz is saying here. There, there is so much truth in it. Um, but 
is that the right argument to argue Job out of the position that he's in, to argue Job into a state of really considering uh, who God is? Um, and so this is quite a frightening introduction um, to, to the discourse, or one of the discourses of many discourses that's going to take place. Here you have a friend sitting with Job. He has been suffering. After a week's silence with these friends in his presence, uh, the first one opens his mouth and says, You are getting what you deserve. What have you done? And so it comes across so harsh, but out of a place of this has been reasoned, this has been thought through, this has been... this. If you take this, most people will agree with you. And the funny thing is, most of us would want to agree with Eliphaz. There must have been something uh, that Job has done. Uh, and we, we want to say that, because there has to be a reason for suffering. We seek the reason for suffering above the God, uh, who in one sense permits it. Uh, so that's a strange thing. We want to know why, rather than who. Um, and isn't that a, that's a frightening uh, introduction in one sense to the first uh, first discourse that comes from Eliphaz is that uh, it creates that immediate tension. Uh, Job, on the one hand, uh, is going to lead us more along the lines of asking the question, who? Uh, while the friends are constantly examining the different avenues and angles of wisdom, asking the question, why? Um, so what is more important to you today? sitting, having listened to this video, looking at the suffering around you, maybe you're suffering yourself. What question are you asking? Are you asking the question, uh, why? Uh, why am I suffering? Why is this happening to me? Why is it so hard? Why, why can't it be different? Why Are you asking yourself a why question? Or are you asking yourself, or not necessarily yourself, but are you asking the who question? Who are you, God? Who are you, uh, that you have allowed this to happen. And I don't mean it in a horrible sense. I don't mean it to challenge God. What I mean it by is to explore the God that permits, the God that has allowed things to happen in your life. And it may be that the answer that you get uh, is quite surprising. Who is this God in light of your suffering? And as we sit here today, uh, we get a very unique and a very beautiful answer, that instead of uh, asking the why question, which we don't get answered, uh, we have an answer to the who question all the more today uh, than perhaps Job would have. Uh, and so uh, when we ask the question, who are you, God? He gives us a very unique answer. In light of your suffering, uh, ask God, who are you? And his answer to us today is, I am your Savior. Who are you, God? I am your Savior. I am the one who sent Jesus Christ uh, to save you from your suffering. And yes, we will have hardship, and yes, we will suffer in this world and in this time. But He has saved us from death. He has saved us from sin. He has saved us from the punishment and the penalty uh, that sin would have. Uh, but He has not saved us necessarily from the immediate uh, reality of it, but He is saving us uh, for the eternal uh, reality that awaits, that we will uh, be saved from our trouble, that even though we will 
And as Eliphaz has said, we will sow trouble. Uh, all human beings are like that. But that what we reap in Christ is far different from what is expected. It far exceeds and goes beyond reason. That though we deserve to reap uh, trouble, we will in Christ uh, reap salvation. Uh, we will receive life and a completely different uh, outcome to what would be expected. And so that's the beauty of at least these first uh, few chapters, especially looking at the interplay between uh, Eliphaz and Job, is that it gets us to, to contemplate that for ourselves today. What am I wrestling with? When I suffer, when I experience hardship, am I asking the why question or am I asking the who question? Because if I'm asking the who question, there is hope. Uh, and that's where the good news comes to life for us in Job. Uh, when we start asking the, the more in Job-inclined question, who is God uh, in this, in this suffering, in this hardship, uh, we begin to see for ourselves today that He is our Lord and Savior, that our God has sent us His Son, Jesus Christ, uh, to die, to suffer far worse than Job has ever suffered uh, at the hands of men, to be scoffed at, to be mocked, to be marred beyond recognition, and uh, also uh, that we may have life. But that does not exclude us from this world. It doesn't simply eject us out of a life of perhaps hardship and, and trials and suffering. But what it does do is it gives us hope. It gives us uh, uh, something to look forward to, uh, with a sense of um, relief and trust that God goes beyond our reason, beyond our understanding, and that the who is the one that deals with the what. So rather than coming and asking the question the whole time, uh, why or what is happening, to rather look at who has already done something. So hopefully that's also an encouragement to you today. Uh, ask yourself that question. What, what am I asking? Am I asking the why question or am I asking the who question? Is my situation bigger than my Savior? So I hope that that challenges you, encourages you, uh, and really gets you uh, to, to be excited for what will go forward uh, in the next couple of weeks as we look at the rest of Job. So for next week, we are going to be looking at the next section of Job. And particularly, uh, we are going to uh, look at what Job has to say, in one sense, in response. So, if you want, uh, and I do encourage it, uh, read Job's response, and that takes place over chapter 6 and 7. So, read what, uh, what Job has to say in the next section, in chapter 6 and 7, and see what he says. Um, and uh, put some thoughts on paper, uh, message us, send us uh, comments, whatever you want. Uh, if you have any questions or thoughts or comments, um, and uh, yeah, and let's engage with this. And uh, as we unpack it, hopefully it will make sense as we go. Uh, but I hope that uh, you may take this upon yourself and really wrestle with it and think through it. And uh, I really hope that it will stretch you and grow you uh, as it uh, can and as it should. So I pray and hope that uh, you will uh, continue to wrestle with Job uh, as we go. Uh, and may it bring new life 
uh, and new excitement about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Have a good day and I will see you all next week. Cheers. Bye.